Good morning. Today we'll be reading Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them to bond to Jerusalem. Now as he, now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked. Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and into the city, and you will be told what you are, what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could not see, any, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and, ne and neither ate nor drank. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Nice guy, huh? Saul is such a nice guy um, in this passage here. And we'll talk about that. Okay, I got this on. Um, I want to start off a little bit differently here today. I want to talk about uh, something that I experienced when I was younger, and then we'll lead into this, this passage here, obviously. <laughs> Where else are we going to go with it, right? But um, something you should know about me is that I am terrible, absolutely terrible at sports, okay? I have always been terrible at sports, um, even as a, as a young child. I, um, my first, I think, experience playing sports like on any kind of team was when I joined the local baseball team. Uh, it, it wasn't Little League, it was before that. But I, I joined because my brother was on the team. And I, I was just, I, and I was the one that was scared of the ball when it came towards me and I just like kind of let it bounce. And I'm like, wow, what if it like does one of those second bounces and it like comes and hits me and I don't know what to do. That was me. Um, so that was my experience with baseball. That didn't last too long. But then eventually I, um, I ended up joining the soccer team for a season. The only reason why I did that was because my neighbor friends and the group of people that I knew said, hey, let's go try out for the soccer team. So we all joined. And so that, yeah, it, it, I didn't really understand the game. I knew that like the ball went a certain way and the people kicked it and there were teams and there was a goalie. All right. The, the basics of that. But one, one day, um, we were playing another team, so we're, we're out there, and all the parents and stuff were on the side, and the ball actually came to me, all right? And I was like, oh, here we go. So I actually start kicking the ball, right? And no one's, no one's messing with me, so like I'm thinking that I'm pretty awesome <laughs> at this point. So I start kicking, and I started heading in a certain direction, all right? And I'm like, wow, I'm like on fire right now. This is so awesome, okay? Maybe this is my thing, okay? And then so I near the goal. It wasn't that far. I was a little kid, okay? It wasn't that far, all right? And I kicked the ball toward the goal, and whew, guess what? Huh? What do you think happened? I missed the goal, okay? And, you know, and all along while this was going on, the parents are on the side 
uh, uh, you know, screaming something. I don't know what's going on, okay? But apparently, I was the guy who ran the wrong direction with the ball, which explained why people weren't stopping me. I was that kid, okay? I was going the wrong direction with the ball, and I did make it to the goal. That was my moment of glory with sports, okay? So I, I just wanted to share that with you. Well, what does that have to do with this, uh, this message here today? Well, I'll tell you that I remember when I was, you know, you know, with that ball, that short amount of time um, during that right there, I was passionate about what I was doing, okay? And, you know, and I was like, man, this is awesome, and everything just felt right at that time. But the truth is I was actually doing the wrong thing, wasn't I? All right, I was going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing, believing that I was doing the right thing, okay? And what I needed was to be corrected in order for the game to change for myself and not just for myself, for others as well, right? And, you know, that really is true for all of us here, isn't it? We all need correction every now and and then let me ask you a question do you believe that you can do you can do something for the lord that you think is right and you think that you're doing the, the completely the right thing but you're actually doing the wrong thing do you believe that can happen you know i mean what are what are some examples of that actually happening do you think you know when when someone's doing that here i go okay <laughs> he's coming down all right um what are some examples like have you ever seen like um, street preachers on the on the corner, right? Do you think that's a good example of Christianity when they're sitting there going like, "Y'all gonna go to hell, right? Believe, believe and be saved. Everyone here is going to hell. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. Wow, what a beautiful representation of a loving God, right? You know, and I, but you know, that person is what they're passionate about doing the right thing, aren't they? Okay, but really they're doing the wrong thing. There are so many examples of that that go on with Christianity. How about people that teach a poor theology behind the pulpit? Do you think that actually happens? You know, when they take a portion of scripture, and they're, they're preachers, they're pastors, and they don't do their homework, right? Because you have to know that scripture. You can't just like get a portion of scripture, lift it out of context, and start preaching on it. You can't do whatever you want with the scriptures, right? Okay, and you do see that happening all the time when, people, when pastors are taking the word and they're preaching on it in a wrong way. Okay, but again, they're passionate about what they're doing. And they believe they're doing the right thing, but they're, in reality, they're actually harming people and not doing, and they're, they're working against what the Lord wants, right? Okay, when people say that God um, is against certain types of people, that's, that's a wrong understanding God is for everyone their beliefs are off okay but God chooses you you're the one who you're the one who has to choose God okay but how do you know if you're doing something wrong how do you know when you're believing in something you're going after with all of your heart how do you know if you're doing the right thing or not because you know like like Paul here not many of us well, I don't think any of us are going to have this, this experience of being knocked down off our rocker, okay, and then a bright light shining upon us and then just saying, hey, man, you're, you're doing the wrong thing here. You know, so how do you know? I don't have an answer to that, okay, to this mis, misguided passion, 
all right? But here's, here's what really needs to happen, okay, spiritually. We need to be called out in some manner that God works out, you know, when we're doing the wrong thing. We need to be called out, corrected, and then called back in with a redirected passion, okay, that is, you know, you know aiming at the right goal. And that is God, you know, when you're doing something wrong, that's actually what needs to be happening. You need to be corrected. And that's sometimes often very uncomfortable. Well, our scripture passage today talks about a man named Saul. And you see his name going from Saul to Paul when he goes out into the Gentile world. I don't want to get into that. That's a ridiculous conversation, okay? Um, if you hear me say Saul, I mean Paul. If you, hear, if, you hear me, if you hear me say Paul, I mean Saul, okay? It's the same person. But we have this person named Saul who was very passionate about what he was doing. He really was. And he was doing this for God. All right? And he loved God. He was very passionate. He believed he was doing um, what was right, you know, what was right in the, in the eyes of God. He believed that. But in truth, he was doing the wrong thing. You read this passage, he wasn't such a nice guy, right? Saul had passion at this point, but it was a misguided passion. Saul was going around persecuting the Christians in and around Jerusalem. He was going from house to house and dragging off Christians and then throwing them into prison, all in the name of God. And during this time of persecution, the church spread, right? There's persecution in this area. You go, you go elsewhere, okay? And, and you know, so you see the gospel kind of moving out into other parts of the area, other parts of the region. And some of the Christians... All right, they fleed and they ended up in Damascus, which was quite a distance away. You have Jerusalem down here, and then you have um, Galilee up here, and then you head way over here. That's where Damascus is, okay? So it's like, you know, up and over. So these Christians flee to Damascus, and so now you have a Christian presence there. And Saul, being passionate about what he believed to be the right thing, he got permission from the high priest in Jerusalem to head to Damascus, and arrest the Christians in order to bring them back to Jerusalem. Man, that is a misguided passion, if you ask me. But something happened along the way, right? The scripture states that as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Then a light from heaven shone around, causing Saul to fall to the ground. Now at this point, all I'm going to do with the rest of this, the remainder of this sermon, is go through the scripture here and pull some things out, maybe that we have never considered before, okay? So that you can, after this sermon, look at this portion of scripture and be like, wow, that is so, you know, so interesting. I never thought about that before. So let's get started. Paul's heading toward, he, he nears Damascus, and a light shone all around him, causing him to fall to the ground. And then he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, who are you, Lord? And that was a question, right? Who are you, Lord? And at this point, he doesn't know it's Jesus. You know, using the name Lord is just, is, it's just an, an address of respect, okay? And then... After he asks, who are you, Lord? He gets a response. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Well, that's a very interesting 
reply if you really think about it. Because I'm pretty sure that according to Saul, he was persecuting people. Heretics. Certainly not Jesus personally. Yet Jesus here was accusing Saul of persecuting him personally. Why are you persecuting me? And what is being implied here is that when God's people are persecuted, God himself is being persecuted. Well, this is easy to understand when we picture non-Christians persecuting the church. That's easy to see in the world, how non-Christians come up against the church and criticize it and persecute it. That's easy to see. And according to this scripture, they are persecuting Jesus himself. So does this have anything to do with us? What is it, how does this apply to Christians? What, what can we gain out of this today? Simple, when, you know, simply when, when we are unloving to each other, when we are unkind, unjust toward each other, do you think that doesn't hurt Jesus? Or do you think that Jesus is only affected when we love each other? Do you think he's sitting around waiting for us to be kind and like, oh, they're being kind. I can now, you know, face them and pay attention because that makes me feel good. And I'm Jesus. I'm all about feeling good. When they do bad things, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just turn the other direction and I won't see it. Out of, out of sight, out of mind. And that's the thing, right? What you do affects Jesus, good and bad. And that is something to really think about, isn't it? How we treat each other reflects on how we treat God. See, most of us, we think about God. We pray to God. But did you ever consider the fact that you treat God a certain way? Well, how do I do that? I don't do it to him directly. You treat God a certain way by the way you treat other people. That's some pretty heavy stuff. Again, how we treat each other reflects how we treat God. Do you love people? Do you love other people? Or are you treating them poorly? Because that affects God. Both of those things do. And listen, I believe that if you keep this notion in the front of your mind... All right? Your relationships, they really will change. And they'll change for the better. It's not easy, but they will change. Now, getting back to Scripture, Saul just had an encounter with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, didn't he? Pretty big deal. <laughs> Pretty big deal. And I think we can all agree that Saul was heading in the wrong direction when he was going to Damascus. He was showing no signs of, you know, of repentance or anything like that. He was just heading in the wrong direction through and through. But then, but then God called him out. He called him out and he changed his vision. This is really interesting here. I like to think that God corrected Saul's vision. He didn't just change it, he corrected it. You see, Saul lost his sight in that moment. He was temporarily blind for a period of three days. We know that. That's what the scripture says. And that's significant because when God calls, here's what you need to understand. 
Sometimes he will temporarily close your worldly eyes so that you can begin to see with your spiritual eyes. Sometimes God will blind you to the things of the world. He needs you to close your eyes to what you are seeing in the world so that you can begin to see things with the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of your heart, spiritual things. You see, worldly eyes tend to focus on temporary things, don't they? Things that won't last, like material wealth, physical beauty, fame, and the appearance of having it all together. Those are worldly things. You see those things and you perceive those things. And if your focus is on all those things all the time, God perhaps needs, needs you to close your eyes and open and look at the, open your eyes up and look at the world's spiritual eyes. And spiritual eyes are focused on things like virtue, inner beauty, truth, And most importantly, spiritual eyes are focused on God. So my question for you is, with what eyes are you seeing the world through? Perhaps God is wanting to close your eyes to something that is keeping you from seeing him. You ever stare at something that you desire, you get locked in on it, right? And you you can't look anywhere else. Well, that was Paul heading to Damascus. He was so bent on his way, on what he was seeing, on his understanding, his perception of the people that followed Jesus Christ. And he had his own understanding. He couldn't see anything else. And God said, you need to shut your eyes so that when you open them, you will have a new perspective, a God perspective. You need to see the world through the eyes of Christ. Again, when God calls, he will temporarily close your worldly eyes so that you can begin to see with your spiritual eyes through the eyes of Christ. Moving forward, because Saul was struck blind on the road, he had to be led into the city. And I'm fascinated by this because we're talking about a complete character change right here in this moment. Because when I picture Saul, and perhaps when you picture Saul heading toward Damascus, do you get the sense he was following anyone? Or do you get the sense that he was calling the shots? <laughs> Paul was, he was leading the way. Right? It was all about him, all about his agenda. Jesus was not out in front. But things changed, right? Because when God shut Paul's eyes down and blinded him, he was incapable of leading himself into Damascus, right? He had to be led. See, a lot of us, we prefer prefer to be the leaders of things. But the fact is, we will never be the leader of anything. If you are a Christian, you will never, ever be the leader of anything. Why? Because we have a leader. Jesus is out front. And we all follow Jesus. And Paul had to start, more interestingly, Paul had to start leaning on the people that he used to lead. He had to lean on them for them to help him into the city. Right? He had to reposition Jesus' position in his life. If you really think about it, a lot of times, did you know the, uh, you know the saying, you probably heard me say this before, you know the saying, get behind me, Satan. 
People like to say that, right? Get behind me, Satan. But I'll tell you what, when you step out in front of Jesus and you're leading the way, you know what you're really saying? Get behind me, Jesus. <laughs> That's what you're saying. If you're leading the way, you're saying, get behind me, Jesus. You're not saying, get behind me, Satan. You're saying that you knew better. You're saying that you could do a better job. Now, here's what I love about what is happening at St. John. We are truly, I believe we are truly following the lead of Jesus Christ, and you see things happening here. And remember I said there is no leader. We are in this together. What you see happening at St. John is everyone is stepping up and taking a lead. They're playing into their role. And I think it's a beautiful thing. There are no leaders here per se out front. There is everyone working together as a family, united together here at St. John, called by God to follow Jesus. And you see that happening in the small groups. You see that happening during the worship services where um, the people are involved. I don't know if you notice, I'm rarely ever up here unless I'm preaching. That's the function I have during the worship service. But everyone else is now leading together. Worship is the people for God. It's not by one person. Everyone is pointing the way to Christ here. And I think that is a beautiful thing that is happening here at St. John. Keep it up. Keep following Jesus. Keep stepping up. Keep on saying, what can I do for you, God? Then do it. All right? Do it. And I promise you, as, as a pastor, okay? Notice what I'm saying as a pastor, not as a leader. As a pastor, I will provide the opportunity, and I will open that window up as wide as possible for you to do it. You have my support. All right? Well, after... Three days of physical blindness, Saul regained his sight. And I think we can all agree that when he opened his eyes that the world he was now see seeing looked a lot different than the world he once knew. Can you imagine that? In a three-day period, Paul had to rethink, reconsider, and reorient his heart toward the proper goal. And then he opened his eyes. The scales fell off. And guess what? The world looked different. He was now seeing the world through the eyes of Christ. And the scriptures state that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he immediately began to engage his calling by sharing the gospel message that Jesus is the Christ. That was Saul's calling and it, is, and it was his redirected passion to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You see, Saul didn't have to wait for something to do. And I see a lot of Christians waiting around and saying, well, you know, I'm waiting for God to give me something to do. God has already given you something to do. Go share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with the world. And that doesn't mean getting in the people's faces and saying, be saved, <laughs> right? It means enter into a true, genuine relationship with those around you and be kind, be gentle, practice the things of Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, take on the character of Jesus, and the words will come. Preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. Enter into a relationship with people, and that's what Paul did. Paul was good with words, though. He really was, okay? There are ports, uh, certain portions of his letters where he says, says he wasn't, but that's, that, you, know, you take that within context. He didn't really mean that, okay? Paul was certainly you know, passionate and good with words when it came to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But he didn't have to wait for something to do. See, a lot of people are waiting for it. They're sitting around saying, I'm, look, I'm, I serve God, but I'm, I'm waiting for that sweet spot that I can serve into, right? Well, the sweet spot is sharing the gospel message. 
stop waiting around people just be the christian that god has called you to be you know and you know serve into the passions that you were given you can be passionate about god and passionate about fishing at the same time you really can and you can use those things to be thankful and gracious to god those are gifts you're given those passions and those are definitely blessings so serve and live into them all christians are called to share the gospel message of jesus christ and listen this is something that shouldn't be done out of obligation okay here's what i always hear from people um, and it's always like in an agitated state well what are you doing i'm waiting i'm just trying to figure out what jesus would do <laughs> right what would jesus do and, and it's like wow not that <laughs> he wouldn't be asking like that that's serving god out of obligation jesus would have you treat everyone with kindness right and compassion and love and, and understanding even when they're you think they're thinking wrongly you may be the one thinking wrongly. who knows but you have to you know serve each other out of love that's what jesus would do he wouldn't sit around and he wouldn't go up to someone i'm loving you because i have to it's the law that's that's not love i'm sorry i just really like pointed right at you sue <laughs> did you feel it did you feel the holy power just like hitting you right here you know but you know we serve out of love not out of obligation so when you hear someone say i'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you know i want to do what jesus would do i'm like well then love love be quick to listen be slow to anger right try to understand the other person now i get the sense that when saul was passionate about something you couldn't stop him from sharing with others he was going to do it no matter what i hope that everyone here has something that they will do no matter what do you have you know and you and you you thank god for those things right for me it's music and, and, and I love photography, a specific kind of photography I, I really enjoy. And I, you know, there was a time after my calling, I was like, I can't do those things anymore because God has called me to do other things. You know, and I know that because I have rheumatoid arthritis, I can't do music anymore, and my eyes are somewhat going bad, so I, I won't do photography, okay? The point is, I, I put those things aside. And then I, I realized those things are blessings and those are gifts and God wants me to serve him through those things even if it's just enjoying those things so that someone else can see how I enjoy those things. Those are my passions. Don't think I'm sitting up here and say, God must be your only passion. You must give up everything in your life. No, embrace those things as gifts and blessings. Be passionate about them, but serve God through them. Those are the things that you will do no matter what. And I hope you have those things in your life because they, they, they cause you to want to live the next day and be like, this is good. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these gifts that get me through the everyday life. But Paul was one of these people. He was so passionate. He was going to do the thing no matter what, if it was right or wrong. We are kind of see that. Thank God he got on the right track. But know this, whatever you're passionate about, whether it's music, food, or, you know, going to a restaurant, spending time with loved ones, um, let's go with like a favorite song or something like that. What, whatever it is that you connect with and you want to share with people because you're excited and passionate about, eventually your enthusiasm about that thing will diminish. Sorry, it's true. All right? It really, it, let me give you a, a, a few things here. That favorite song may still be your favorite song, but you're not going to talk about it the same way, are you? 
okay? That favorite movie that you just saw 50 times, okay? It's, it's, why did you just see it 50 times? I know people like that. I'm like, why are you doing that 50 times? Whatever, side point, squirrel. Okay, but listen, that movie that you just saw 50 times because it's your favorite, it, it loses its effect after a while. So it's not the same. Even with my passions with music, it's not the same as like discovering something new. It's just not the same. I have to do things to rekindle it, all right? But then we have this person named Saul who was so passionate about Jesus Christ, you couldn't stop him. And he was just as passionate when he came to know Christ as when he died. You know, they, they tried, um, let me say this properly here, because maybe some people might not get this. They, they, they tried throwing rocks at him, okay? <laughs> um, they tried throwing rocks at him to, you know, abuse him. Um, and he went to the next, he, they stoned him, okay? <laughs> all right? um, Paul got stoned, all right? I was dying to say that. Oh, that felt so good to say that, okay? But whatever, you'll figure it out in a moment. Paul was stoned, okay? Nearly to death. I see Todd here laughing. You know what I'm talking about here? Okay, some people read that the wrong way. Um, but Paul got stoned, and he just went to the next town. I love saying this right now. Oh, my gosh, that's too much fun. Okay, but he was unstoppable there. They threw him in prison. He prayed and sang hymns to God so that the other prisoners could hear. Unstoppable. Even while he was on trial before the courts, he used that as an opportunity to share the gospel. Unstoppable passionate. He was shipwrecked, okay? Unstoppable. He kept on serving. You get an idea here? Paul was passionate through and through from beginning to end. Notice these aren't material things. Notice these aren't worldly things. You see, unlike our worldly passions that fade with time, the gospel message of Jesus Christ will never pass away. Well, what is the gospel message of Jesus Christ? The gospel message of Jesus Christ is infused with compassion, grace, love, forgiveness, all those virtuous things, and they point to Christ. Those things will never fade away. And Paul knew that, and he looked to those things. Those are the things that Paul was passionate about. Not the temporal, but the eternal. So what are your passions where are your passions? We all have desires and passions, right? I want to give you, um, I'm going to step down here and just give you a really quick illustration that's on my head. I know it's noon, but this is a really good one, okay? You see people like me, I'm a pastor, and you see what I'm passionate about. I am passionate about God. I love preaching. I love teaching. I love those things, okay? But you ever see those Christ, the new Christians who were once passionate but have lost their passion, right? You know, when they become a new Christian or something infuses them in their Christian walk, they're like a match that got lit. What happens when you light a match? You light it and it goes, Psss, right? It flares up at the top and you see that. Man, you're like on fire for God. I love that, okay? But what do you also think? That person's going to burn out because what happens to a match if you don't, if you don't put it out? You're about that big. You light it up, it's short-lived. Eventually, if you don't do something with that match, it's going to burn you. And a lot of us in the church, okay, have once had a passion, but it's been burned out. It's, burned, it's been burned out because, I don't know, maybe someone in the church has let you down, right? Maybe no one's listening to your message. Maybe you have a class that's not growing. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe people just aren't caring for you enough. Maybe, 
you know, maybe it's too much for you. Either way, you're burnt out on something. Maybe you're the only one that is doing that particular ministry. And it's all hands-on for you. You're just doing this day and night, and no one is helping. So what happens? That match goes down and burns your fingers, right? Well, here's what you have to do with the match. Okay, you light it. It's flared up. Light a candle with it. Because the candle burns slower. Right? And I will tell you this. Each one of you represents a candle. You don't have to burn hot for God all the time. You'll burn people out and you'll burn yourself out. Yes, you have that passion, but it doesn't have to be a hot, uncontrolled, misguided passion. When you light a candle and you share your message with someone else and you do Christianity together like you do so well here at St. John, you're lighting a candle. And that candle will get you through life. What are your passions? Live into your passions. Invite God into that passion. And make sure it's a, it's a you know, correctly guided passion. I want to I hear um, the word truth. If, if you've received this message. Truth? Truth. Yeah. Makes sense to you? It's so important. Okay? St. John is a candle not a hot match. The things we're going to do here are going to take time. The ministries that we're building are going to take time. We're going to fail at times, but you know what? We're going to get up and our eyes are going to be open to see the world through the eyes of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.